This podcast is part of the Red 5 Network. For more Red 5 Network podcasts, visit red5network.com. Welcome back, Star Wars fans, to another episode of Coruscant Radio Underground. Um, we're back. Uh, sorry we've been away so long. Uh, it has been entirely too long since we've recorded an episode of this show. It's true. And, and we're going to kind of talk about that. It's, it's um, you know, I'm Andrew, and I'm here tonight with Marisha, as as always, here Hello. on Coruscant Radio Underground. But yes. I, I, think, I think that the fact that we haven't talked anything in a while kind of sort of relates to what we're going to talk about tonight with Star Wars Celebration. Absolutely. Um, it's all connected. <laughs> it rhymes. But we, you know, I think part of it, and I've just kind of been thinking about this on the way home. You know, I was at Star Wars Celebration this past week. It was absolutely amazing. As, as Celebration, this is our second time at it. And you get caught up in all the stuff that's going on online, especially when there's not a lot of Star Wars happening. Mm-hmm. Um, the last episode we did of this was actually just our Boba Fett commentary. And mm-hmm. I'll be honest, without looking, I don't even know if we put up the audio versions or if that's just available on the Science Fictionary YouTube channel. I have no idea. But, you know, without a lot of news, or even sometimes when there was news, I just, I had a lot of trouble getting motivated to, to talk about to it. talk about it. Yeah. And a lot of that, I think there's a couple of things there. And one of them is that, um, you know, we're we're heavily involved, and I, I think if you're going to do a podcast, you really, to some extent, have to be involved in the socials. So you know, Twitter and Instagram, and and you, you have to get out there. You have to put your stuff out there, and it's one of the easiest places to put your stuff in front of people constantly. Interact, yeah. And, and speaking of, we love it when you interact with us. We haven't done as many shows that required as much participation on this one as we do sometimes on the Science Fictionary, and we may have to change that. But we love it when you interact with us uh, here on the show. But I think the biggest thing about Star Wars Celebration is that it just kind of reminds you that the constant drama that comes from lots of different directions. It's not one group or the other. It mm-hmm. just kind of comes at you from every direction on social media. Everybody's upset about something. Everybody's got a phone to pick, an axe to grind. Absolutely. And it, it, it can kind of wear on you. And sometimes you, you look at Twitter, and if you only looked at Twitter and the, the Star Wars community on Twitter, you would just pretty much think that everybody out there is a jerk well yeah i mean i think if you just you know read whatever articles you know comic books today or whatever the you know the clickbait articles that pop up on facebook and whatever the current debate is on twitter you would conclude that star wars fans are the worst people in the world yeah but you go to celebration and it's like this is amazing. All these people are awesome. You know, like the celebrities, I think, who have been scared away from Star Wars for a long time. People like Hayden Christensen, who wouldn't touch it with a 10-foot pole for decades. Yeah. You know, come to Celebration and all of a sudden realize that real people love them. And the the, the, hate. the aura that Twitter puts up 
and the internet in general put up. Right, because it's not just that. I mean, yes. like, you know, the internet was sort of in its infancy back when the prequels came out, but it yeah. was there. The forums, that was before social media, but that's when, when forums were social media. Right. And that stuff was out there. Yeah. And, and it's, but you realize when you go to things like Celebration, and you do run across some of those people at Celebration that just do things that are frankly obnoxious. Right. But they're the fringe. And that's when you realize that the really negative side of the fandom is the fringe. It is. And that Star Wars is what I always believed it was growing up. The, the, fan, the Star Wars fandom. It is the best fandom. Yep. Period. Absolutely. It just is. And honestly, that's... Um, so I didn't actually get to go to Celebration. I had to work. But Andrew got to go. And I was really excited um, for you to get to go, Andrew, because just because you spend so much time in the the dramaverse yeah. um, aspect of Star Wars fandom, I just, even though I didn't personally get to go, I was really glad that one of us got to go and just kind of get like that little breath of fresh air that is like, Real people talking about things they love instead of people just ranting on the internet. Yeah, and and that's kind of where I'm at. I, I think it's bigger than just celebration. Like I started thinking about it on the way home, and I was like, you know, this is my first convention. We usually do a couple a year mm -hmm. at least. Yeah. Some years we've done as many as four. Yeah. And yeah, I was on the way home, and I was like, yeah, this is my first convention since 2019, since fall of 2019. Right, Dragon Con, I guess. Yeah, Dragon Con. So September of 2019. Yep. And, you know, I, I've started noticing as I've kind of gotten kind of down with, and, you know, not real sure where I wanted the podcast to go and, and with just a lot of the just general negativity, um, or it's not just the negativity, there's the negative crowd and then there's the other crowd that's just hateful. Mm -hmm. uh, and there's some of those on both fringes. Yeah, there's just lots of hateful people on the internet. <laughs> but you're right. You go to this, you realize that that's not the real fandom, or at least that's that's a fringe element of the fandom. And it's not just Star Wars Celebration. And, and I would highly encourage you, if you have just been beaten down, if you don't do conventions, if you've never been to a Comic-Con, or you had not been to one in a really long time, and you feel beaten down by... The things you love. The things you love, especially on social media. Mm -hmm. Do yourself a favor and go to a convention. Yep. It just totally changes your, your perspective. And, and this has been something that has not just affected my my wanting to do the podcast. Like I realized the other day, I hadn't read a book in a, over a year. Hmm. It's a long time for you. And if you, I mean, you know, if y'all watch us on YouTube, you see my bookshelf. Like it's constantly... Filling up. I mean, you know, we moved back in this house two years ago. I got the bookshelf all nice and neat. And now there's books like crammed on top of books and behind books and stacks of books on the floor because I buy the books because usually I read them at that pace. Right. And I, I just, I've got all the new Star Wars books. Mm -hmm. and, I, and I get them and I just, I just find that the negativity and the hatefulness that comes from groups online has just totally stifled my will to create. You know, and, and, and reading is a big part of my creative process. Process right. is that I read; it inspires me, right. um, and, it, and it gives me ideas. And it, it makes me, you know, reading one book will make me think about another book that I read, totally unrelated. 
but it, mm. it gives me a new perspective on a new character or, yeah. you know, all these different things. And, and, and so having gone to a convention and come back, cause I got back and we've been kind of busy since I got back. I've had a lot of work and you've had stuff going, going on with getting ready to leave on another job. And I've kind of been like, Hey, I want to record three episodes this week. We didn't record an episode in months. Right. And it's like, I've got three episodes and I want to record them all this week. Right. It's like, and it's probably not going to happen, but I think we're going to get two of them done. And this will be the first of those, the other one. By the time you're listening to this one, the other one's probably already on the YouTube channel. Yeah, probably. And um, they're probably going to come out about the same time because they're just going to be different formats. We're going to do on the YouTube channel, if you haven't watched it yet, on the YouTube channel, we will be doing our Kenobi breakdown because we were out of town, because we were at Celebration, we'll be doing the first three episodes right. all at once. And then the final three episodes, we'll try to do individual episodes for those. But I had an absolute blast at, at Celebration. You're welcome. Thank you. <laughs> Mar- Marisha is the one that insisted that I, I go and, and, and sent me sent me for my birthday. So Happy birthday. <laughs> I was like, here we go. I booked you a plane ticket. <laughs> You know, and, and, and like we use, it's something we usually do as a family. So is, I was yeah. like, you know, I don't know if I really want to go by myself. Right. Uh, and it was different. But, and, and so there were times when I was there, it was like, man, I don't know what to do. Like, especially after the con in the evenings, it right. was like, uh, I guess I'm just going to like sit here alone. Like, <laughs> uh, but we did some fun stuff. The, uh, the guys over at the uh, resistance broadcast. Uh, did a really nice little meetup and a live podcast at a at a Radiant Beer Company. Okay, there in Anaheim, and that was fun. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, so it wasn't me just like sitting around feeling bad for myself for for being alone, but uh, <laughs> it was it was different. And and so there were times I was like, why am I here by myself? But by the time it was over, by the time I was on the flight home, I realized how refreshing. Mm-hmm. having been out there really was. Yep, absolutely. And, uh, you know, and so I'm really hoping now that we do get to go to Dragon Con because I want you to get to go back mm-hmm. to a convention. Well, the and good thing about Dragon Con is even if we can't swing a hotel, we can always go bum with relatives for the, <laughs> the stay. <laughs> True. It's just a shame. You know, Robbie, Robbie, if you've listened to the show for very long, you remember Robbie. Uh, it's my brother. He's memorable. And, and he's very memorable. And I, I'm, I'm, Practically begging him to come back on the show. So hopefully one day he will. But he... uh, They had a house in Atlanta. Well, they had a house that we could leave his house and drive to the convention in like 10 minutes. It was great. (laughs) And And they cooked dinner for us when we came back. That's the way to do a convention. Absolutely. Free lodging and (laughs) meals. And furthermore, like available babysitters if you happen to need them. Because they don't have kids. Right. And so, you know, um, yeah, that, that's, but, that's but the celebration was really good. Um, there are things that I, I wish they would do different at celebration. Uh, yeah. You know, it, it's, we usually go to these big cons like Dragon Con. Or even New Orleans Comic Con. Even New Orleans Comic Con. And, and there, you do have big panels, but generally speaking, there are enough panels to really spread everybody out. Right. It's not like there's only one panel going at any given time. You know, and it, it, that's the thing. You spend all the money to go and you really, it's like really winning the lottery to go to a, a panel. Like, right. And, and Reed Pop just doesn't 
really do a great job with the way they handle lines and stuff. There were people that would get in standby lines to get into the panel, and they, the first line would go in, the people that actually had panel tickets. Mm-hmm. And then people would start cutting the standby line, and there was nobody there to stop it. Oh, no. That's and so there were people that had waited in the standby line for an hour or more that didn't get in because of people cutting lines. And, mm. um, you know, th- there are things. And Reed Pop was kind of, they, they didn't do a great job with the con in, or, uh, in Orlando. No, they didn't. Either. Like, logistically, like, I understand there are a lot of logistics, but it's like, this is what you do. Is run these dang right, conventions. and that's the thing. You're supposed do to do a be better a, job. You're supposed to be a professional. Yeah, and the volunteers at Dragon Con do a better job than the hired employees at Reebok. But you know, some of that with the lines was kind of lousy. I wish they would add some fan panels. Yeah, fan panels would allow you to distribute the crowd a little bit. Yeah, and there's plenty of room. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And honestly, I feel like there's kind of the opposite problem at Dragon Con is there's so many get good things going on. There's no way you could possibly do all the things that you want to do because they're going to definitely overlap. Yeah, no, for sure. So it's it's like maybe a balance. I mean, I don't mm-hmm. think they need, you know, a thousand fan panels going at all times like Dragon Con can be. But like, like let's get some good some good panels of of fans and of podcasters and YouTube personalities and mm-hmm. and and artists. I mean, like let's let some of these artists that do stuff, uh, comic book artists and stuff. They're not getting panels, right? Like, oh, really? Wow. No, I mean, I mean, they might show up on a big, you know, the one, yeah, you know, they might have like one big day. Like there'll be a a big Delray Books panel. Mm-hmm. Okay, but like, you know, you go to a normal con and you'll have. Oh, so-and-so that wrote this book is going to do a panel on how he creates characters. Right. Like, let's do some more personal, like, intimate setting panels. And and I think that's what's missing from Celebration. But overall, just a fantastic experience. Well, I mean, and there was a lot going on. There were a lot of trailers. There were some things that were, like, closed doors that if you weren't in the panel, you didn't get to see. Right. Unless you got to see it before it got yanked offline. Like, I, I saw the Mandalorian Season 3 trailer mm-hmm. on a cell phone, recorded on a cell phone. Right. Um, I'm not really going to talk about it much because, like, I, you know, the sound was bad. I can see some visuals, but they're not great. I will say it looks like it's going to be absolutely wild. I can't, I mean, like, as of right now, like, I'm really excited for Andor. But Mandalorian Season 3, if you've listened to the show for a while, Mandalorian Season 3 is fixing to do a lot of things I've been predicting since day one on The Mandalorian. Which is what? They're going back to Mandalore. We're going to Mandalore. We're going to... We're going to really explore, like, some sort of reclaiming of, of, of Mandalore. That's awesome. Um, I don't know how it's going to flesh out. I don't know if it'll flesh out the way... That I've kind of predicted, but you know, I've I've long said that this show was about the the two things we have to see and that that Filoni is interested in. These are the two things that Filoni pushes constantly: is a reforming of the Jedi and a reforming of Mandalore. Right. Um, I kind of have some theories that those might be turn out to be more one and the same. That I think it would be really wild to see 
the Jedi refounded the new temple on Mandalore. Yeah, for sure. Um, Because these two longtime enemies now have more in common than they have, you know, not in common. And and so I I think that could be not just that, but the relationship between Ahsoka and Sabine. Right. Um, now we're actually going to do an episode coming up. This is one of the episodes I want to do. I, it might be next week before we can record this, which means it'll be two weeks before you hear it, is where I want to really dive in depth. Uh, and I think we'll probably have some guests on for this one to talk about how we think the Jedi Order should be reestablished. Hmm. Yeah, that's definitely, uh, hopefully will soon be a relevant topic. Yeah, no, I think it's coming. Um, I think it's coming soon. I think we're getting more and more hints that there might be more Jedi out there. And I'm fine. I know a lot of people really don't like that there's Jedi that survived. Um, I think that there were so many. I think some had to survive. It's a big galaxy. Right. Now, a lot of them might be like Obi-Wan, which we're going to talk about. We're not going to talk about here today. But like he's cut himself off from the Force. Right. To hide himself. Cal Kestis. We set that up with Jedi Fallen Order, where we see that Cal Kestis has shut himself off from the Force uh, to hide himself. Yeah. And so... That's not unprecedented in Star Wars, though. No, no. It's this idea that the the, the Force, it's kind of like a muscle. Like, if you don't yeah. use it, you lose it. Mm-hmm. Um, so... No, and that and that's what we're seeing. And I know a lot of people are unhappy about that in Obi Wan, but I it makes a lot of sense. It makes perfect sense with pre-established lore yeah. that if he has cut himself off from using the Force, that he's going to take some time to build a connection again. Well, I mean, and we always knew that Obi Wan wasn't sitting over there being the king of the Jedi in his little hovel on Tatooine, right. like that was always his story was he had just thrown in the towel and was just hiding out. Yep. You know, that's not, you know, people who were acting like, oh, this is the, the Obi-Wan we saw in the prequels. Well, no, it's not. It's Obi-Wan that we met in A New Hope. He's... Well, it, it's something in between because the Obi-Wan we see in A New Hope has, he's using the Force again. Like, he is. So, so we, we're going to, I think, and I, and I I don't want to go too far into Obi-Wan here because we are doing a whole other episode on it. But I do think that what we're going to see with Obi-Wan is that I think we're going to see two really cool things. I think, you know, Leia doesn't want to be a senator. Right. right? But I think Leia goes back to Alderaan with a new sense of purpose. Yeah. um, That's going to stick with her throughout her life. And I think Obi-Wan does the same thing. And he goes back to Tatooine and realizes, you know, with a with a ref- refreshed sense of purpose and why he's there. Well, he clearly doesn't rebury those lightsabers. Right. Or if he does, he digs them up again. Yeah. No, I, I think that Obi-Wan is not doing quite as much hiding. I mean, he's really not, you know, hiding all that much. And he's clearly, you know, I don't think they're going to override anything from Rebels. Yeah. And, you know, he's clearly very much um, probably not at his peak. I would assume his peak was when he defeated Anakin Skywalker. But, like, when he defeats Maul, like, this is not an unpracticed, Mm -hmm. you know, frightened Obi-Wan anymore. Mm -hmm. So, and you know, so we have that coming just a few years down the road. So I, I think that 
um, we do, we're going to get an Obi-Wan who's going to reconnect to the Force through this show. He's got to find Qui-Gon eventually. Right. So, um, very excited to, to actually get into those three episodes. But, um, you know, back to back to Star Wars Celebration, we did get some really cool stuff. The Mando Season 3, Behind Closed Doors, they'll drop it eventually. I don't, I figure it's going to be later this fall before they'll actually drop that trailer. Mm-hmm. It looks really, really good. Uh, Katie Sackhoff is going to be a little bit of the Mad Queen in this one. Like, Ooh. she's, yeah. That's awesome. A little unhinged. Uh, it's it's gonna be it's gonna be a, a wild ride. Uh, That's awesome. Other things that we didn't actually see but were announced: uh, Star Wars Skeleton Crew, uh, starring Jude Law, produced by. There's four four producers on that, but I don't remember the fourth. But it's John Watts who has done the Marvel, the MCU Spider-Man movies, uh, starring Jude Law. Uh, and then the other producers on it, of course, are Filoni and Favreau, who are, right. you know, seeing them talk, listening to them, uh, especially Filoni, when you listen to him at Celebration and these panels and stuff, it, it's very, very clear that he is the creative future of Star Wars. I mean, yeah, I think that's been... I, that's kind of what we've been saying for a minute well, they, now. they've clearly been putting him more and more in a position to inherit more responsibility for that. More influence. Yeah. Yeah. So I do think that that we're going to see a lot more of Dave Filoni influence. And I know there I know there are people out there that aren't Dave Filoni fans. Um and they're wrong. I yeah. <laughs> I, I won't normally say say things like that, but like you know, there's nobody out there crafting more George Lucasian Star Wars than than Dave Filoni. Yeah, like if you want, if you're one of those people that's yelling for for uh, George to buy it back and make Star Wars, first of all, it's never happening. Dave Filoni's the closest you're ever getting. Yeah. Oh no, I think that's definitely true. Because there's nobody out there that understands the lore because he doesn't. And and what you should enjoy is that he doesn't just understand the new lore. He understands all of the Legends lore, too. Right. And all of the, you know, the original stories, the the Clone Wars, all of the, the mythology that kind of went into building that. You know, he worked with George Lucas on that project closely. Right. Yeah, no, I mean, that's the thing. Like, we're not talking about somebody that just came in and started making Star Wars. Like, we're talking about someone who George Lucas went and said, hey, I want you to come help me make Star Wars. Right. You know, and he learned how to craft a Star Wars story from George. Exactly. I mean, that's the person to learn how to tell Star Wars stories from. Yeah. Although, uh, I, I Filoni seems to have a little more consistency going on maybe yeah, than George Lucas did. George he, Lucas was always uh, looking to build the world yeah. beyond the, the existing parameters and sometimes decided to have midi-chlorians and kind of shift the uh, whole kind George, of sense of how people understood the world. Right. Uh, I think I think Dave keeps a better grip on his story 
Um, ironically, though, he's very heavily Tolkien-influenced. Mm -hmm. And I think that George had a little bit of Tolkien in him as well, but in different ways. I think George constantly wanted to build the bigger world. Right. And sometimes not, and sometimes the details got fuzzy. Right. Because he was so interested in building this big world. And so, and he was constantly changing. This is the thing Tolkien did too. Tolkien constantly changed his mind about mm -hmm. how things worked in his world. As he developed his world, he'd say, well, if I'm going to do that, then I have to tweak this. And he was constantly tweaking his works. Yeah, exactly. Um, if you go read his letters, you'll see that. Like, it's not it's not as obvious as George's because you can't go listen to one YouTube uh, video where he says one thing and then listen to another one where three weeks later at a different con he said a totally different thing. But you can sure enough read three different versions of The Hobbit. That's true. Now, there's an in-universe explanation for why there are three different versions of The Hobbit. Of course there is. But there's sure enough, but the real explanation is he changed his mind. Right. Well, he, he wrote The Hobbit for his, for his son. Right. And then he wrote Lord of the Rings, and then he needed to go back and tweak the lore in The Hobbit to make it work with the grander story, and so there was this... It's, a, it's like the original retcon. Right. I mean... It was back before that was a big conversation, but there have been lots of retcons in Star Wars. Metachlorians, for example, you know, where they go back in and are like, this thing, which completely changes the perspective on the original story. It doesn't necessarily rewrite the original story, but Tolkien wasn't above rewriting the original story. Right. You know, so I think it's important to point out that even the best storytellers Sometimes their world grows to the extent that things have to be tweaked. And that's just the nature of telling. You know, we love large interconnected worlds. That's that's what people are going in for right now. You know, huge Marvel interconnectedness, all the Star Wars. But well, I think the that's... thing that people forget is that... When the world becomes so big, you tell so many stories, eventually something's going to step on something else. Yeah. And and people scream and get super offended about canon. And that canon. happens even when one person's writing it Absolutely. All, let alone when you've got 40 different people writing. Right. Exactly. Um, and I mean, I love consistency as much as the next gal, but also you have to acknowledge that sometimes that's just the nature of telling stories. Right. You know, and, and I understand for some people that they're they're more rigid with the way they process stories. Mm -hmm. And so a, a contradiction is a big problem. Right. Um, and so I, I get it. I totally understand why some people are that way um, and, and why that bothers some people so much. Um, and it bothers me if it's a big contradiction. Right. But like the, like the big one right now is, well, if Leia spends all this time with, Obi-Wan with Ben, then why, when she sends a message to Ben, does she say, you served with my father in the... I don't think that she even knows it's the same person. I don't think she's privy to that information. She may, she I may think not Bell be. Organa says, contact Obi-Wan Kenobi. I don't think he gives... Because the thing is, what if that information is intercepted? So she knows this guy's Ben 
and maybe not even that Obi-Wan is the same person. I don't think she does. And so that's a very strong possibility. The other possibility is that she's wording it that way that you can say, and this is the thing, like, I have no problem, like, creating this as my headcanon that that the way she words that is you once fought this fight. You fought a war Mm -hmm. for what you believed in with my father. Mm Mm-hmm. And now this is a call to action to do it again. Yeah. Like, so it's, I have no problem viewing it that way. But for some people, that's hard. Right. And, and it's just different ways people process information. It's not, it's not a wrong thing to have a problem with it. But if you're going to enjoy these stories, you are going to have to accept that there's going to be times where it's going to step on itself a little bit. Yeah. You know, if you want to keep getting new stories, that's going to be part of it. Yeah. For better or worse. Let's see. Other things that we had, though, let's talk about all the things that we really don't know. The Ahsoka teaser, I saw a really bad version of it filmed on a phone before it was yanked offline. I think if you really want to see that stuff, I think there are some places online where you can probably still track down those things, but they don't come out for a while. Now, if you're a, a Filoni fan, get excited for Ahsoka because with Dave really no longer being on animation, because that's the thing, he's kind of a creative executive for Lucasfilm. Like he's not just the animation guy anymore. Right. Um, I, you know, you might see him give some input on animation. I don't know if we're going to see, you know, it's his, he came up in animation. He's an right. animation guy. And at one day he will return to animation because yeah. he's not going to be able to help it because he loves it. Mm-hmm. But right now, that's not what he is. And if you're looking for the next chapter in the Star Wars Rebels story, this is it. Yep. Uh, we're, we're is getting... that, that's that jaunt that everybody got so excited about whenever Sabine and Ahsoka left together at the end of Rebels? Yeah, that's we're getting some variation of that. I don't know exactly. I mean, it appears that it's going to... We may even be seeing the same moment uh, in that trailer where Sabine is looking at that uh, that mural that she paints of the whole of the ghost crew. Yes. Like, that, that mural is in the trailer. And it's actually... And, and the fun thing was that it's actually like... It, it looks just like it did in Rebels. That's awesome. Because it doesn't have to be realistic art. It's Sabine's right. art. It's it's right. It, it's uh, so it looks cartoonish, but it's a live action Sabine from the back standing there looking at the mural. So we're we're definitely getting, you know, in the Ahsoka series, we're definitely getting Hera and Sabine. Yep. I don't know if we get Ezra, or if we're going to be a little down the road before we get Ezra, or or yeah. what, but. Uh, I think a lot of these shows have been are kind of one-offs. They're they're limited series. I don't know that that's where this series is heading. They kind of call them all limited series, and I I think the reason they're able to get away with that because they come back is like, well, we do Ahsoka, and then right. we come back and we do another season, but we just call it something different. Yeah. And I actually kind of like that because it kind of works with the same way we've That's done. That's sort of the thing Marvel's doing too. Yeah. Uh, um, by, by and large. No, I, th- I think that's definitely the strategy is that 
they want to dominate the market mm-hmm. of uh, the of limited series. Yeah. And the easy way to do that, you can keep telling the same story. You just name it something different. You give it a relative, uh, you know, a relevant title, and you just keep going. Right. Yeah. So it's going to be interesting to see how they go forward with that. Uh, let's see other things that we didn't actually see. We had a Tales of the Jedi animated series announcement. That's yeah. gonna, uh, prequel era. Uh, going to deal with prequel era Jedi like Ahsoka and Qui Gon, and um, that's really kind of all they told us. I'm always a fan of more Qui Gon. Um, I would. Yeah, no, I, I would love to see some more Qui-Gon stuff. I would actually really like to see kind of a young Qui-Gon series mm, um, yeah. because he's a really interesting Jedi. Mm-hmm. Um, he, he's, you know, we've talked about it before because obviously we, we filter everything both through a religious filter. perspective mm-hmm. and a, a church perspective. The way we see the history of the church. Cultural, culturally Christian. Right. Yeah. And so, like... In some ways, Qui-Gon is like one of the first major potential reformers. Yeah, he's like he's like Jan Hus. He gets burnt before the whole thing really gets going good, but you know, he's got some of the the, the basic tenets going. Right. So um, I think Qui-Gon is really interesting for that reason because he seems to be in the little bit we get to see him, the one movie we get to see Qui-Gon in, he's kind of like, I think in a lot of ways, the the quintessential Jedi. Like he's, yeah. he, he captures the spirit of what a Jedi is supposed to be instead mm-hmm. of the, the rules and the dogma. Right. Um, so anything they can give me Qui-Gon, I'm all for. Absolutely. 100% I'm with you on that. Well, let's talk about a couple of the small ones first. Uh, Jedi Survivor, the Jedi Fallen Order sequel. I mean, I'm not much of a video game person. No, but, but you always get into the cutscenes. Cool. Yeah, I... whenever you finish, I'll sit and watch all the cutscenes. <laughs> That's definitely a thing I'll do. I mean, we don't learn just a whole lot. It's going to be Inquisitor heavy, which is not a surprise because the first one was. Yeah. Um, that looks like we might be facing off a little more with the Grand Inquisitor this go-round. Yeah. There's a whole conversation about that, but we'll defer it. And then, of course, like, you know, Cal's back. Yep. And who do you think the mystery person in the back to tank is? I've seen all kinds of theories. I've seen Revan thrown out there. It'd be an interesting way to bring Revan back, but unless he's in some sort of tank that has seriously Stasis. prolonged life. Yeah then that's not going to work unless they're doing what I've been afraid they're doing and shortening the history, hmm. which I think would be a terrible mistake. I mean, why? There's no reason to do it. No, which is, on a different note, seems to be kind of the same thing they're doing with Lord of the Rings. That's exactly what they're doing with Lord of the Rings, but I can understand why they're doing it for a TV series. That's true. You know, even if you were like, we're going to do 10, we're going to do, we're going to commit to 10 seasons of this Lord of the Rings TV show. Yeah. That's still not enough to cover like 8,000 years I of know. history. I know. I wanted them to go like first age though. I wanted them. I just wanted them to tell some really old stories. I would love to see them. Now, here's the thing. Like the rights are fixing to go out there. Like who knows who's going to end up with all the rights for Tolkien stuff. Um, I suspect Amazon's going to be a strong player for that. 
hopefully this series is good and we're not all groaning when it's announced that Amazon's doing more series. But, you know, if you want to do like a true, very high fantasy story, by all means, go back and do the first age. I want to see Beren and Luthien. I want to see... You know, I want to see Gondolin. I want to see all of these things that we only ever hear but, about. But not just that. Like, the you know, the, the fact there are just, there are so many Balrogs and Ungoliant mm -hmm. uh, and dead, the children of Ungoliant. freaking vampires. Right. I want to see vampires in a Lord of the Rings show. Yeah, so. I've, I've been deprived thus far. <laughs> So, yeah, I mean, by all means, I think if you want to do a really crazy, like, especially creature, you know, evil creature heavy mm -hmm. Lord of the Rings, first age, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. But, anyway, that that's kind of neither here nor there, I guess, for the purposes of this conversation. Except just to say that significantly shortening the timeline is only so helpful long term. Like, yeah, it... it, it consolidate it streamlines your timeline for now but it really cuts back on the larger scale stories to tell yeah see i really think when they set out to do the high republic that they what they actually set out to do was to create a new history for star wars and sort of like throw the old Republic stuff away, and this is kind of our new history, and then they only went like 200 years into the past. Yeah. And it's like, that's not long enough for a galaxy full of I people I mean, we and wanted to see the and, origins of the Jedi and the Sith and the, like, the beginnings of this struggle, or at least the beginnings of the struggle in this age of the well, world. The, the one good thing is that you have things like the video games that are not being, um, they're not part of kind of the political wing of, of the Lucasfilm stuff. Yeah. And so you've got them, you know, you have this whole thing set up with the Zepho, this ancient race of yeah. Force users. Yeah. So, you know, we're not totally throwing it away, and we are getting a new Knights of the Old Republic game, or a remake yeah. of, of Knights of the Old Republic. Hopefully it'll be good. Hopefully it's not 300 years before A New Hope. Right. It needs to be at least a thousand years before. Yeah. So. And if um, if any of this is Greek to you, you should hop on over to University of Coruscant. Yeah. Yes. Hop on. I don't know if there's anything. I don't think there's anything really recent, but if you want some just summaries of large-scale Star Wars lore, hop on over to the University of Coruscant. You can listen to short little excerpts, and they're wonderful. Yeah, they're short, like 10, 15-minute episodes, mm -hmm. and they are absolutely fantastic. That's, uh, again, that's uh, University of Coruscant. He hasn't done anything new in a while. I know he was talking about doing a final season to kind of wrap his, mm -hmm. his stuff up. Uh, I hope he does because he's done a really good job of going back and telling the history of different Jedi, different Sith, uh, as well as a whole bunch of other stuff. Yeah. Uh, fantastic show. It's a shame that he's not doing it. Yeah, 100%. But anyway, Jedi Survivor, it looks good. I mean... It's pretty. A, you know, Respawn is making it. Um, I play... The, the game I currently play all the time is a Respawn game. Uh, they do it, and they're they're making like respawn. I guess 
Lucasfilm was very, very happy with the results of Jedi Fallen Order as now Respawn is overseeing, I think, like five Star Wars projects. Wow, that's a lot. Including making the next Star Wars uh, shooter. Oh, because the last one did what wasn't didn't go over super great, did it? Look, I I, I kind of understand why Battlefront is the way it is. I, I know they want to do these games, and they want all Star Wars fans to be able to to engage with them. But like as a shooter, Battlefront one was okay. Battlefront two is abysmal. So it's, it's great if you're a star for a Star Wars fan who doesn't play video games, but not so much for a video pretty game. Pretty much, if you're player. a Star Wars fan and you want a chance to hop in an A wing and blow something up, it, it, go for it. It's just I, perfect like, for the kids. So, like, if you're having fun with the game, like, I'm not criticizing you. Like, it's it's definitely built for certain types of gamers. Mm-hmm. If you're more of a competitive, avid game. FPS gamer, mm-hmm. that game's not going to do it for you. Yeah. It's just not. I think that when we see this one from Respawn, and I think next celebration is in London in April. It's next April. I kind of figure that's about the perfect... That should be... We should be getting trailers for all kinds of games. Yeah. At that one. So, unless they choose to, like, drop them at, like, E3 or something. but Yeah, which they still could. But it's going to be... That game looks really good, but I, I think... I think Respawn is using one of the best game engines out there right now as far as the the physicality mm-hmm. of the game itself, how everything moves and yeah. feels. and um, You know what those games kind of remind me of is The Force Unleashed. That is the other big rumor for who's floating in that tank. Oh, yes. I want to see Sam Witwer in live-action Star Wars so bad. Well, a video game wouldn't be live action Star Wars, but like oh. if I could, I still want to see. I want to. I want to see him in live action. If, Star if Wars. I could pick the person that I want to play Revan, whenever that does one day happen in live mm-hmm. action, just give it to Sam Witwer. He's only like forty. Like he's still got a minute that he could do that. You know, right? No, I think he would be absolutely perfect for the live action mm-hmm. Revan. That's what we all want. I know a lot of people look to bigger names for that role, but I don't think it's necessary. I mean, he's no. an accomplished actor. He's not he's just a, a voice guy. He's a great actor. Um, like, I didn't love, oh, what was that show where he's a vampire? It was adapted from a British show. Either way, I didn't love the show. Um, there was a ghost and a werewolf and a vampire. I mean, it was fine, but he was so great. Like, he was definitely hands down my favorite thing about the show. By, like, a lot. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, they didn't show us a whole lot, but that game's looking good. Mm-hmm. Um, Bad Batch Season 2. Yeah. Looks like it's going to be exciting. I mean, I have to say, Bad Batch was fine. It was not my favorite thing that Star Wars has done in No, a but it was a huge step up from... from yes. resi- was it Resistance? Resistance, yeah. I did not love Resistance. It was better, definitely better than Resistance. I was no Rebels, no Clone Wars, but I did enjoy it. Yeah, no, it, it's definitely um, definitely an improvement. Um, I don't think it, it just... Rebels and Clone Wars really built a lot of lore. Bad Batch isn't really doing that, although it might 
going forward. It is interesting to explore, actually more interesting than the main characters in the Bad Batch is I find it more interesting when we run across other clones and what has happened to them after. Mm -hmm. um, and, and it looks like Commander Cody is going to show up in, in this season. And yeah. that's, so that's potential to yeah, answer the one of the big questions, right? Did he miss Obi-Wan on purpose? Right. It's the question. So we yeah. will see, but that, that's going to be, I, I, it's a fun show. The kids like it and the kids kind of are like us. They're like, well, it's not rebels. Yeah. But they enjoy it. They enjoy the characters and it's a fun show. I mean, as far as Star Wars animation, it's it is definitely the best thing we've gotten since Rebels went off. Yeah. Well, except for that final season of Clone Wars, but <sighs> that was the best. Uh, that was great. But looks like fun. Again, didn't tell us just a tremendous amount. Yeah. But cool visuals. Yeah, for sure. Um, now the big one. This is probably our our big final topic for the night. Is Andor. Andor, yes. I'm pretty excited. Like, I mean, Andor is definitely lower on my enthusiasm list than Obi-Wan because I've been clamoring for an Obi-Wan show literally since Disney bought Star Wars and it was like live. I was like, please, he's the right, you know, I, this right. has been my... And, and you're not alone. Like, that has been the one thing that everybody's been like, we want more Obi-Wan. We want more Obi-Wan. We want more Bail Organa. We want more Mon Mothma and we're getting all of it. Yep. And and I'm we're gonna definitely see a lot of Mon Mothma in Andor, which is great. I mean, so it was funny. Uh, so I was watching Genevieve O'Reilly on the stage at Celebration, and she was saying, "Some of you may have seen my deleted scenes from Episode Three. And I was like, "Sister, everybody in this scene has seen your deleted scenes from Episode Three. Do you not realize the clientele?" Here, it's like, these are all of the people who have sat and analyzed, who probably made the costumes from the deleted scenes in episode three. You know, these are those people. And so it's so, I mean, it's really cool. Like they, they went back, they cut her out of the Dadgum movie 20 years ago, you know, and here she is getting to be Mon Mothma again. Well, they brought her back for Rogue One, right? Yes. Yeah, yes. Then... She was in Rogue One and, you know, and I think there was a, an unexpectedly enthusiastic response to her being there in Rogue yeah. One. And like, you know, everybody's like, Rogue One, I mean, everybody loved Rogue One, but Jimmy Schmitz and Mon Mothma were there. You know, like, Bail Organa and Mon Mothma were there, and that was like, everybody blew everybody's minds, right. you know? Yeah, that's one of the things. I, it's actually a little annoying. I, it's right now, everybody, the thing everybody keeps screaming about is, oh, this show's a bait and switch. Like, you said it was going to be about this person, but it's really about this person, and um, yeah, they said that about, you know, in Marvel, they've been bad about that with the, the stuff like Hawkeye, you know, oh, well, you told us it was a Hawkeye series and really it's about, I, mean, I don't think that's true. And they're kind of doing that now with Obi-Wan where, oh, it's the Leia show. Who cares? She's adorable. It's like, it's like that's not like, you know, what do you want? Like, you just want a show that's literally just about this one character. What's it going to be about? Right. Like, Obi-Wan twiddles his thumbs on Tatooine. Like, if we don't do other characters force. and branch out to other characters and give other characters real screen time, then where does the story go? Like, that's right. the beauty of these shows is that you're expanding the, the stories you can come back mm -hmm. and tell. And everybody's like, oh, so Mon Mothma is going to get more screen time than Cassian. Right. 
Well, first of all, I don't think that's true. I think that we're following Cassian for a reason. But this is a character that's never gotten... Like, first of all, this actress hasn't gotten her due yet for a movie that she got cut out of 20 years ago. Yeah. And that character is such an underrated character. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, it's about time we see a lot more Mon Mothma. Absolutely. Like, you know, you talk about the characters are, that are the, that lead the Empire all the time. We talk about Palpatine. You know, he's the, the, the guy that runs it all. Right. Well, she's the one running it all on the other side, but we don't talk about her much. So I think it's fantastic. And, and I don't want to see just Cassian running around being a spy. This is such a big chance to do that, to see how the spy in this war works, but also how the entire mechanism of the rebellion is built yep. and, and, and comes to be at the point where we see it in... Mm-hmm. Uh, Rogue One. In, well, yeah, by Rogue One. Yeah. I'm super excited about this. It looks really good. Uh, I think Obi-Wan looks good. The biggest problem with Boba Fett was that it just didn't look very good. It looked good in places. Mm-hmm. There were there were issues. But, like, I, you know, the thing I kept saying the whole time is, like, man, why does everything look too clean? Mm-hmm. Especially on Tatooine. Right. Then you shouldn't look this clean. But, but that was kind of one of the problems there is it just didn't look real. Mm-hmm. Um, Obi-Wan is doing a much better job with that. But from what we've seen so far of... Andor, and and of course the reason they built this massive set mm-hmm. for Andor, they they've been working on that one since before any of these others started. Like right. that was kind of the first one they started working on, but mm-hmm. they were building real sets, and they committed to that. They committed to the practical stuff. Yeah, which and, is interesting with all the work they did in the volume for the Mandalorian. Right. And but that's not surprising either though because Favreau is always pushing the technology. He likes the technology. Uh-huh. I feel like he's a George Lucas in that that aspect. Well, he, he right. likes the technology. And that's why I've said continuously that Favreau and Filoni are kind of the perfect team to mm-hmm. replicate yeah. what George Lucas did with the originals because you've got one that's got his finger on the pulse of all the new technology and he he doesn't just use it, he understands it and he's he's pioneering and pushing. Mm-hmm. And then Filoni, who really understands the story, the story from George Lucas's perspective, right? But it's you know it's an interesting contrast. All of the real practical effects are going; they seem to be going with for Andor. Yeah, you know. Well, kind I, of, I'm glad, and and I think the others will eventually. I think COVID made it way more convenient to do things like use the volume. Yeah, for sure. So I do think you'll see other things using the big sets. But I think the thing was, it was like, it's going to take us a year to build this set. So we can go ahead and film these other things, but eventually we'll have this big set. Right. Because they're not like they're just going to tear it down when Andor is over. Right. Like, you've got this big set now where you can film all sorts of Star Wars stuff. Mm-hmm. So I am excited to see more practical stuff, uh, which is because that was the always the beauty of Star Wars was the way George Lucas blended the old ways of making movies with the new ways of making movies. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's one of the things that really sets Star Wars apart. But Andor is, from what we've seen so far, far and away the most cinematic Star Wars Disney Plus. Actually, mm-hmm. I'll, far and away the most cinematic Disney Plus anything we've seen so far. Yeah, I think so. 
Like, it's more cinematic than anything Marvel's done. It's more cinematic than the previous Lucasfilm stuff. It's going to set a new tone for Disney Plus series. Yeah, I think so. It's going to elevate the expectations. I really believe that. Mm -hmm. And this has been my most, you know, the, the one I've been the most excited about for a really long time. It's not a complaint, but... There wasn't a whole lot of Andor himself in that Andor trailer. No, I felt like it was a lot of like 30-second world building on that trailer, and we really only saw him very briefly. So I think that's an indication that we're going to see a lot of world. Uh, and I think, you know, just because we didn't see him doesn't even mean he's not there in those scenes. Oh, absolutely. But it was important to set this stage. This is, and the way I look at this is, yes, it's going to be Andor, Cassian is going to be the eyes through which we get to see the, re the the rebellion being built. Right. But, like, it's also an opportunity to tell something much bigger than that and, and show the way the rebellion came to be because that's, like, that's the missing story, right? Right. Like, that's always been the missing story. Mm -hmm. We get little pieces of it. Right. So we've had little hints and Rebels kind of plays in the early days of the um, rebellion. Some of the books, and, like the, the Leia book, kind of, you know, right. delved into the more political side of it. Right. So we've gotten little pieces, but I think the benefit of bringing in a Mon Mothma is that we get we will get to see the political side, mm -hmm. and we get to see the down and dirty mm -hmm. side of it with the spies and and things like that. Mm -hmm. So I think that it does more to round out. The view of things. And all right. So anything else about Andor? Like, I think it looks great. Like, I I don't know how much there is to say about. Yeah, go watch the trailer. The trailer. I mean, it's, all those, all those, those instruments are, are awesome. The, that big percussion instrument they had going there. Was, yeah, that like, and the throat singing, which is I'm, something we're seeing a lot of lately. Yeah, I think um, they used it in Dune. I think mm -hmm. which may have been kind of reintroduced it to into the the popular imagination a little bit maybe maybe but it seems like we were seeing it in some stuff before Dune as well maybe but what I want to know is that big percussion instrument that he was playing is that just a prop or does it really produce those tones I feel like that should really be a giant drum I mean that'd be kind. cool yeah we don't have room for one though but love. <laughs> All right. Well, do you have anything else before we wrap up for tonight? I don't think so. I think, you know, that kind of wraps up our commentary on celebration. Uh, if you ever have a chance to go to London next year, you should. I'm sure it'll be fun in London. I'm not going to go to London. I, probably not. I will just do cons here at home. Yeah. Um, I, you know, I'd love to go to London. I'm not traveling that far for a convention. But, <laughs> but if you're sure European... Next no, year is your year. And that's the thing. Like, I really hate that they went over there. But, like, if it's going to go to any foreign city, like, London's the place, right? Like, London deserves to host it. Like All it, the things that have been filmed there. Right. Yeah. Like, it, it's too, you know, England is too important in the history of of Star Wars. Mm -hmm. Like, of course it, it should be there. Now, of course, I'm still, you know, on my crusade to... You know, bring Star Wars Celebration to New Orleans. Obviously. And well. I mean, like, why not? Like. It would be perfect. The convention center is more than big enough. It, there's not a better event city in the world. Nope. Than New Orleans. And the food is so good. 
And there's not better food in the world than it's New true. Orleans. I agree. Anyway, that's going to wrap us up for tonight. Cool. Well, you got anything else? Or is that, are we done? I think that pretty much sums up what I have to say. All right. Well, uh, we're going to wrap this up and go eat some dinner. But until next time, may the force be with you. Thank <laughs> you.